Greetings everybody. Apologies for the lack of a voice note yesterday. Today is going to combine both of them. Prakim Yud Aleph Be Yud Bet, chapters 11 and 12 of the book of Deuteronomy, have a focus as much of the book on the land of Israel. Specifically, they have a focus on the land of Israel as it relates to the people's faith there, their relationship between themselves, the land and God. Famously, the second paragraph of the Shema is contained within this section. But I would like to focus on a few verses which, for me, have always represented something fundamental about the Tanakh's view of the land of Israel, one of the most profound insights that we have. I'm not going to begin, however, in our chapter. I'm going to take us on a tour of the Torah, beginning, middle, end. The Torah begins in the Garden of Eden, as described in the opening chapters of the book of Bereshit. The Garden of Eden has a sense of hierarchy and of harmony. Nature produces itself, rivers surround the garden, the trees blossom, the animals are named by Adam, they live in harmony with him. Adam and Chava live in harmony with one another and God himself is in a way very present in the garden, Mithalech Bagan. After the sin, the fall, the ejection of Adam and Chava from the Garden of Eden, all of this breaks. Enmity is placed between Adam and Chava, between Adam and the animals, nature no longer produces itself. All of the hierarchy and harmony that existed has now gone. In the middle book of the Torah, in Vayikra chapter 26, we are given a description of the land of Israel in Parshat Bechukotai, if you keep my commandments, then the land of Israel shall give forth its fruit. If you do so, nishbati chaya ra'ah min ha'aretz. All wild animals will leave the land, as the Ramban interprets it, the animals will stay, their wildness will leave. V'shachanti etalech itchem, v'shachanti betochachem, I will dwell with you. And amongst you, says God, swords shall not come into the land. So many resonances of the Garden of Eden are placed there. The sword that bars the entry back into the Garden of Eden is referenced with the sword no longer coming into the land, the wild animals, etc. The land of Israel can be the new Garden of Eden. But one of the clear differences between the land of Israel, as it's presented in Vayikra chapter 26, and the Garden of Eden, despite all of the many parallels, is that critical to the Garden of Eden are the rivers that surround the garden, giving it its natural bounty. But there are no rivers in the land of Israel, such that we read in our chapter today, 
the land you are coming to inherit. We read in Devarim chapter 11. It's not like the land of Egypt, which you left, where you can just sow your seeds, and water with your foot through the irrigation channels of the Nile. No. The land that you are coming to inherit. Eretz Harim of Kaot is a land of mountains and valleys. From the water of the heavens shall you drink. Eretz Asher Hashem Elokecha Doresh Ota Tamid, a land which God is always Doresh, always looking out on. God's eye on it from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. As my teacher, Dr. Yael Ziegler, taught in one of the first shiurim I ever heard from her, the land of Israel is both geographically defined and theologically defined as lacking its own water source. It is between two great rivers, Hanahar Hagadol, the Mitzrayim, the Nahar Prat, the Nile and the Euphrates, but ad velo ad bichlal, up to but not including, defined by its lack of a water source, in contrast to the Garden of Eden, in contrast to the land of Egypt. The land of Israel is a place where, if it is to flourish, it will require the actual hard work, physical labour of its inhabitants, but also the theological hard work of its inhabitants as well. One both literally and metaphorically needs to look up to the heavens in order to succeed there. Wishing everybody a wonderful day and a Shabbat Shalom.